What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's that special time once again for the J. Moore Tech Talk Show. And it will be airing live momentarily. This is that place to ask those special questions about PCs, technologies, with your computer, iPhone, and those smart devices designed to work at home and in the office that's supposed to make life easier. We welcome your questions tonight. And please help me welcome the CEO and founder of the JMore Connection, Inc., and the star of tonight's show, Mr. John C. Morley. Check us out more at JMOR.com. And welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I'm John, your host. Welcome to episode two. And uh, our title tonight is Getting Behind the Network. Um, so what are we talking about? Well, a lot of people have questions about, you know, what is actually a network? How does a network function? And, and things of that nature. And what we talk a little bit about what the network is how the network functions and things like that, because I realize that it can be a little bit uh, challenging to understand how it works. So I figured we'll talk about a network tonight. I think that's probably a great way to start. So again, we are in our season two. We're happy about that. We're happy to be on our brand new night, which is Thursday nights at uh, 9 p.m. 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. We're not on the football night uh, anymore. And uh, so, like I said, we're going to talk about networks tonight. So how many of you, you can show in the chat, call us, what have you, you know what I mean, because there's many different types of, um, of computer networks. Uh, so when I think about a computer network, most of you are probably familiar with uh, things like a LAN, which is a local area network, okay? So a local network, typically what you'll have at your uh, you could have it at your home. You could have it at your office. And typically, a local area network will connect um, resources to the network, such as printers, um, internet access, um, other storage devices, if you have them, standards, um, things of that nature, and allow them to be um, shared over a network. So that's what a LAN is. So it's a local area network. So an example might be a small office of um, 20 or 30 people, maybe a law office, uh, maybe uh, it could be a sales office. That's a local area network. It typically is in one, it's one building, and they will be linked by usually, um, and they will be home run from a main distribution hub back to, or it could be Cat 6 and pretty So local area network is what you'll see when we think when we go to like a store, for example, a large store that you see. It allows 
companies to have things like an expensive uh, high-quality laser color printer when everyone in the office needs that, but they don't necessarily need it at the exact same moment. So they can share the resource and we call it a LAN, a local area network, okay? And LANs are, uh, have been around for, like I said, for quite a while. A local area network basically will allow you to share resources um, on your network. It's an individual uh, LANs um, are set up. People can have multiple LANs uh, in, within a home. Network. We are talking about, um, for example, we can have a local area network for, let's say, our TVs in our home. We have a local area network for um, all of our um, laptops, uh, computers, and printers. That could be another land. We can have another land if we have a home automation system. That could be another land. So when we think about land, um, everybody wants to think about like cable and how things are. But remember, we don't necessarily have to have cables to have a LAN. We can have a Wi-Fi, okay, uh, and have connectivity that way. And typically the way most uh, LANs work, or let's talk about Wi-Fi LAN for a minute, um, one or more wireless at this point uh, basically will have a signal range to be able to let them connect to them. And access points will then manage network traffic and, and things like that. Uh, which have built-in routers in them if you're home. And if you're in a commercial environment, depending on how large your environment is, you may either go back to um, a switch, and the switch will go back to um, a router, or you might go right into a router, depending, which is a switch and router, and then that you will go out to your local, uh, your, your wide area network. So I figured let, let's talk a little about this. So why do you need a layer? the issue becomes that you're not going to be able to share resources. That's the first thing. And it allows people to do things like uh, have multiplayer games. Uh, maybe you want to have a social event in your home, and you want to be able to do a fantastic party, okay? Well, a fantastic party is just something I came up with, where you'll basically be able to, let's say, use an app and be able to do all sorts of great things, and you'll be able to do that through a Wi-Fi LAN. Um, typically, that's uh, that's how it works. Um, usually, we talk about uh, a network uh, that is going to be able to share uh, resources. Now, when we think about a typical LAN, another question is: you're probably asking me, can can we have more than uh, one subnet on a LAN? Can we? And that's a very, very good question. Um, this comes up lots of times, and um, we, we can run two subnets over the same physical land. Yes, we can. But let's make sure we have a purpose or reason for doing that. For example, let's say we wanted to have one subnet to be on our land for our voice over IP enabled desktop, and then we have another subnet which is actually going to be responsible for our computers. And maybe we have another subnet security system. Now, I'm talking about a, a fairly modest-sized office, maybe 20 to 100 users, or they need something like this. 
the important thing is to make sure traffic gets prioritized correctly so things do not uh, suffer, such as traffic, etc. I'm not going to get into that on this particular um, uh, radio show. But what I wanted to talk to you about when we think about land is that it's very essential to have a land in order to have a very efficient, reliable um, office infrastructure with people who have computers, whether they be Wi-Fi laptops or whether they be connected through your, um, you know, Ethernet jacks. So that's one network, and we call it a land, a local area network. So the next type of a network is called a WAN. So these are the two lands and lands are like the two most popular categories for area networks because a land allows uh, connection out to your internet. Okay, um, it is the thing of I'm saying you have a home, you have a WAN. So a WAN is basically going to span a very large physical distance, where a LAN is just going to be the office area, home area. So the internet is the largest WAN actually spanning the earth. A uh, WAN is geographically dispersed, and it has many, many LANs uh, that it connect that it's that are part of it. So network devices called routers will connect LAN to WAN. Now let me give you an example. You are um, at your home, and you want to be able to chat someone a client services department for maybe a local cable company or service company. So you go online, you use the chat system where you'll chat back and forth. And what happens is your computer actually opens a session up, a unique session number, a session with traffic from TCP IP without getting too complicated here for you guys. I want to keep this kind of high level. Goes on the local network, travels to the switch, okay, and I'm talking about a, um, a switch that can do routing on it. So, again, that's going to be um, our, our routing switch. And when we talk about a switch that's going to be able to do, uh, you know, that, that type of routing, we're going to be talking uh, about a layer three. Layer three and then layer four switch. So you have your layer one, your layer two, your layer three, and your layer four. You can do that on your program, but a layer, um, a layer four switch, okay. Uh, basically, a layer that's fine. A layer four switch, okay, is going to be able to not only uh, things like that uh, based on layer three. But it's also going to be able to do UDP or TCP, an example, in packet headers, and the So layer 3 switch is great for a lot of things, and a layer 3 switch can get us information. But if we want to be able to take everything to the highest level, we have layer 4 switching. And one of these would actually encompass um, our routers. Now, some layer 3 switches, um, actually the way they are put together, And then not have, let's say, uh, and then go right into, let's say, your gateway. Or you could have your, uh, you're always going to have to have the device, the router that takes the information back. Or you can go right into a layer four switch, and you can have everything accomplished. They'll have their uh, gateway, which will have the ability 
to do your layer three um, and be able to uh, take that information. So I just wanted to explain that to you, you know, just a little bit. Uh, but additional layer uh, is provided, uh, and um, it actually uses uh, they call it CES Cisco Express Forwarding. I don't want to talk much about Cisco, but uh, just to mention that, and it has a database of routes to every destination network maintained and distributed to switchings. So we're talking about a WAN. So typically when we think about a local area network, we're talking about one network that's going to be able to talk to another network. So in the case of this uh, chatting, the information takes that unique session number from your computer, goes over the, uh, your LAN. Your LAN travels, again, we're keeping this very high level. It travels into uh, your switch, then if it's if it's routing, and it goes to a router. And remember, what is a router? A router basically is a device that says, hey, I, when we talk about router and LAN, well, a router says, okay, if my gateway is X, okay, and let's just see the example, 192.168.5.1, for example, and I have something that does not fit that map, then I'm going to go to my gateway. In our case, 192.168.5.1. It is then the gateway's job to send it out of the WAN and say, hey, it goes and talks to uh, one of the devices on the network, another router. That router says, yes, I know where that is. I'm going to say this part. router hops, which could be anywhere from could be three, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, hopefully not too many hops, and it gets it there the quickest uh, pathway. And most efficiently. And the nice thing is is that once that happens, that then happens on the other end, and then now the way on the other end router then takes the information, sends it out of the um sends it in the WAN port and then out of the other port of the device coming on the inbound side of the WAN. And then that's taking that into their network because it now knows the traffic lives in that network, that LAN segment, and delivers it. Of how LANs and WANs basically work together. But we also have something called a MAN. Um, no, I'm not talking about man, men, and women. I'm talking about MAN being a metropolitan area network. So, a metropolitan area network is a network that spans a physical area larger than a LAN, but it's smaller than a WAN. So, let's back up here just a that a WAN differs from a LAN um, in a few ways. So most WANs, but rather are a collection of distributed ownership and managements. WANs use technology such as to connect over long distances, but I'm not going to get too much into that. So what is it that a MAN does? Well, MAN is a network spanning a physical area larger than a LAN, but smaller than a WAN. For example, uh, a WAN is owned operated by a single entity, such as a government. A government might have a LAN in one build in one building, but then when they have a, a farm building, each LAN okay comprises a man, okay? But it's not large enough to be a WAN, okay, and also a WAN collectively owned by different people ownerships around the globe. 
where a land is owned by one typical resource uh, company, such as a government, a large corporation. Uh, that's what we call a man. Another example of a man would be like, you know, university, camp area networks. They're mans. Um, they span multiple lands. Uh, you could have a land in the language lab, a land in the dorms, a land in the president's um, uh, building, let's they call them now the um, registrar's building. Okay, and someone have the register of the bursar on one, but we could have so all those lands are all owned by the same university. All those lands tie together and become one man, a man network. So guess what that means? Each one of those lands, okay, has a WAN connection. The WAN connection coming back out. So. When we think of a wide area network, I know you're thinking about WAN to go right to the network, but that's not how it works. The way it works is together, and when they come back into one, there's an output to go to your to your uh, wide area network. So it just sees a man as an extension of land. We still do use a gateway because if something's not part of this land, it goes to the gateway and says, hey, I don't know where this is. Network doesn't say, hey, router says, yes. I know where to send you, you're in Collier Hall, or you're in Hillier Building, or you're in Auditorium. It knows where to send you based on its table uh, that it's built, all the MAC addresses and addresses on the network. So that's how a metropolitan area network works. Uh, a good example of a man um, would also be, let's say, if you had a construction site, and the construction site was for one building. And maybe later on, there's another building that they're putting up. Maybe like they're building some uh, some houses, condos, and they have sales and they have computers there. That's one land. Well, maybe down the road in the new to be golf center, already to be determined for future, has another set of computers. Well, that would be another land. When we connect the two, we have a man, a metropolitan area network. So remember, a man is an A WAN. But it's larger than a land because a a man is basically multiple lands. So another kind of network we have it's called a, a, a SAN, and it's called a storage area network. It connects servers up to storage devices through technology like fiber channels, etc., and things like that. And then we also have something called a SAN. So we have a SAN for storage area network. Okay, and then we have a system area network, uh, also known as a cluster area network. So those are really important when we're talking about data farms and things like that. But before I start getting into, uh, I guess, the different types, uh, getting more explanation about you know, how this works and how, I guess, we're going to accomplish you know, what we need to, which is you know, the LAN. Um, you know, you're a university and you have lots of information that needs to be shared. Well, when you have a, uh, a man network, it's going to refer off to the storage area network, which is going to connect through five high fiber chain, like fiber chains to very fast storage units. Um, they're usually clusters and, and things of that nature. So I want you to be cognizant of the fact that in Things like VPNs, uh, we can have bridges, uh, we can have all kinds of stuff like that. 
important thing for a lot of you to understand is in addition to talking about LANs, WANs, we talked about wireless LANs, we talked about WANs, and then we talked about SANs, which we had kind of talked about. So we also have something which is, uh, it, it's kind of not terribly new, but it's been around a while. Uh, we also have something called a PAN. That's a personal area network. So computers that are, let's say, comprised of would be considered a PAN. Uh, for example, I may have a small office or a residence, and maybe I have a computer, I have a telephone, I have some peripheral devices, I have a video game console, and I have another personal entertainment device. So that's actually a PAN. A PAN is very similar to a LAN, okay? But the difference is a PAN is something that's comprised for minute I start adding things like Wi-Fi or WLANs, it's no longer a PAN anymore. Now we have a So there are types of networks that can provide a very great flexibility. Uh, PANs are great because you can upstairs while you're on the couch uh, watching TV. You can get an email. You can just zap it, press a button, and it prints out on uh, part of our PAN network, and we can upload photos from our cell phone, we can watch movies online, we can stream, and that's all a PAN. Um, so a local area network, which is the next step after it, consists of computers at a single site, but typically at an individual office building. So when we think about your home network, we would have said that was a LAN a long time ago, but now we really could call that a PAN, a personal area network. Is designed to have devices that are going to be associated for one particular person. That's what a PAN is. Okay. Um, what else can I tell you about that? I think that's probably the most that's probably the most important thing. So I guess my only question to you is: when we think about different types of networks, we have to be cognizant of the fact that the faster we have different. Work to another point, and I'm talking about a WAN now. So the faster we can have traffic come in and out of our network, the ability factor that we're now at, that we can experience risk. So I will tell you this: a lot of people that have had very networks felt they didn't need antivirus software because they came from dial-up. Maybe they had a a LAN that was okay, and now suddenly they got into broadband where we're able to get very, very, get a lot faster speeds out there. And when we have a very high susceptibility rate of getting infected faster. So that's why it's very important, and this is why people don't understand it. They really have to be at the top of their game, or they're going to get infected very fast. How can I compare this or give you an analogy? that you go to a hospital and you don't take extra precautions when you go there that you're probably going to catch an infection and make it sick because germs are more prevalent and also some of those germs may be, uh, let's say, more airborne and they also uh, may be, I don't want to say the word fatal, but maybe germs you'd find at home just because of other things they might be linked to, and that could cause a strong virus as opposed to 
and uh, that's really, you know, where that comes from. And that's why we need to have greater security and stuff like that. And we talk about, you know, about firewalls, and we'll, we'll talk about that on another show. But what I want you to understand for today is that, you know, if you think you don't have a plan around you, you're probably mistaken. Um, I know you probably all have a PAN, a personal area network, but I will gather that probably more than 85% of you at home have a local area network. And um, it's important to understand, I guess, not only what a LAN can do and the benefits, but also what are some of the restrictions of LAN uh, and LAN need to be aware of and some of the costs. They definitely could save us a lot of money. As I mentioned, we could share prayers and things like that. But what else can we do when we think about a LAN and we think about a WAN? Well, one thing we can do, and this is used every single day in the world, is we can have on a local air network, for example, we can have a DDR uh, recorder that records uh, footage off of a can have different devices. I'm mean, going to just take that one for example. So that particular device might be driven by a static IP, or it might actually use uh, a unique server that actually will get the IP of that computer that's coming in, say, the static IP that doesn't do that, if it was dynamic and it keeps changing. Well, there's a program out there that will actually maintain and keep updating the IP. So DNS before, domain name services. So the way domain name services works is that when you go and put in, uh, let's say, a address, okay, such as a name for a website, it goes to the directory says, hey, where does this live? And then it automatically it tells it. So that's how that works. It's pretty simple and pretty straightforward. Since the IP keeps changing, it has to update some table somewhere to database. So a lot of companies that sell DLRs actually give you a lifetime subscription to have this free service that keeps uh, updating the server with the correct uh, IP for the domain that you chose. And a lot of them have things like, you know, my DVR, my secure home. And then you can assub, assign like the subdomain, like my house or whatever dot mysecurehome.com. And then there's lots of different things. to explain to you a little bit about how that works because if we didn't have lands, none of this would be possible. From one point, which might be right here in this city, and cell phone to check video footage, or we might be across the globe in an entirely different country, as long as we can be able to um, check into that uh, system and check video footage and things like that. So a lot of connectivity possible. What I want you to understand is that when we think about a home services right now uh, that you will see are probably around, like I believe, Optimum um, services right now, and they're always changing them, but 
Optimum Business Services right now, okay, they have some different packages, okay? So one of the packages um, that they have is they have a package um, that gives you Internet. Um, so we can go from fast. They, they have services right now. The Optimus is actually up to 350 megabits per second. Now, that's quite a bit, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm going to tell you something. You can pay for that. Um, business Optimum 60, okay, is 60 uh, megabits per second down, download speed. Okay? And then what happens to that is you have the ability with 60, and then you have 25 down, okay? So basically, it's 60 down and 25 down is always the faster one. Then after that, you jump to the 100, which is 100 down and 25 up. Then you jump to 250, which is 250 down and 50 up. Then you jump to 350, which is, yes, 350 down and 50 up. Now, again, if you have a basic, I'm going to call it a home or less, you're probably going to be capped at a certain speed. And that speed is probably going to be the real cheap ones are going to probably give you maybe 10, they're going to give you around 10 to 50. Okay. The best ones are going to give you 100. So just keep in mind something, ladies and gentlemen. If you pay for a router, let's just say, oh, it looks like it's time for a break. So hold that thought because we'll be right back after this quick break. Stay right where you are. For IT services and data destruction, the J. Moore Connection should be your direction. Engineer technology to grow your business. Our custom solutions are at your service. JMOR should be your direction. The J Moore Connection. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned to the J Moore Tech Talk Show, Season 2, Episode 2, and we're starting to get behind the network. What do I mean by that? We're talking about what builds a typical network at your house and at your office, just so you can have a little bit of an understanding of how this actually works. And right now we're talking about different speeds that Optimus offers if you've just joined us. And why are we doing this? We're doing this so that you can understand that just because you have a speed, um, that is great. And I'm going to give you a perfect example, and I'm not here to rank on any routers or say that some routers are better, but I'm just going to look right now. Uh, what everyone I know at home likes to get the Netgear router, and and they're great. Uh, definitely a very very good uh, product. Uh, yeah, Netgear makes a very stable product. But what I can tell you is that with the Netgear uh, product line, there is entry level, there's mid level, and then there's superior level, right? So let's talk about home for a second. A home market for Netgear, and again, I don't want to get too into this, but I just want to get into it a little bit. Let's talk about the Netgear product 
uh, we'll talk about the WNDR, uh, the one I want to look at in specs here so I can compare it with you right as we're talking. Uh, we'll look at the WNDR, okay, and we'll look at the WNDR 4300. So we'll look at that right now, and we'll just pop that page up. The tech specs on that is it says it does 300 plus 450, so it can only do 750, so it can't do the 40. Right um, let's talk about the speeds that it can really support, because this is the this is the interesting thing. The ports, okay, Ethernet ports. There's five of them, okay, and they can support, okay, five. Four lands, so they do gigabit Ethernet, okay. But remember, I told you there are five ports for one land. What's nice about this product is their speed level support is 10, 100, 1,000, or your network because we're running things gigabit. But a lot of the lands I told you were only running at 10 to 100. Well, guess what they're giving you now? They're now giving you a box that can actually bring at a thousand. So that means for that line, you could very well get the 350 plan. But I gotta caution you that 350 gig plan that you're probably so interested in is, is a great plan. Um, it's definitely gonna cost you a few bucks. It's not gonna be 59.95 and um, sure that you really need that service. So again, I, I like Nick Gear because they have a very great product. And I'm talking about the home line now, okay? They offer some great features. Um, I also like the Asus uh, router line, and I'm going to tell you what the Asus line is. To compare. So Asus routers, um, Asus actually makes the, uh, they make a great router. They make a lot of motherboards too, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, they make their Asus product line. Uh, they make a uh, they make a tri band uh, device, okay? And is their tri band device for specifications, okay? So this is what's important here. Their specifications are 3200 right now. Uh, if we look at their full basics, so this is great for gaming and things like that. Just have great gaming. That's just pretty much the way it works. So let's look at the specs on this puppy. Um, I'll pull some up just to show you guys that um, this is really a great, it's a good product. This product I'm looking at, so you have your, you have your 450. At your Turbo QAM, you have your 600. At your AC, your 1300. So that just blows the other one out of the water. And it's the remote technology. But what I want to look at is the ports. Okay, so let's look at the WAN communication port, shall we? So we have automatic IP static, okay? Uh, that's our WAN connection type, which that's great. So it does static and it does the automatic. So that's good. Let's look at the uh, 10. So actually the ports, this is great. The connectivity for the ports, 45, for the WAN, 45, guess what it is? It's 10, 100, 1,000. 
I am so happy with that because just a few years ago, then they went to the hundred. So I'm so happy that they are now catching up with the times. I think that is absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. So I wanted to let you know about that and tell you that, you know, when you're looking at routers and you're comparing them, I like the Asus a little better. I know this isn't really a router show because the Asus has the Mimeo uh, technology, which um, does absolutely amazing. Um, it's won a lot of great awards. It does the intelligent tri-band, which is really cool. I mean, when you connect to the Wi-Fi network, it automatically senses where to put you if you set up smart. Like on mine, I named it something, and then it automatically routes you to the appropriate band network that needs to connect with your device. And if it can use more, it does that automatically to give you the past, best possible performance and experience. And you know what they also did, which I think is really cool? They actually included with their product, okay, an antivirus solution. It's not the be-all, end-all, but, hey, I think it's great that Asus actually included with their product a security solution to sites that could be a threat and also viruses. Again, it's the gateway level, but they know what the home people don't want to spend an extra three, four hundred, or eight dollars a month for the services commercial. So they included that. And I think that was really great. And I gotta say a kudos off to Asus for doing that because I think that's a great product. I've used several of them and uh, I've been very happy. Uh, my last couple of routers were actually Asus and was really, really uh pleased with how they work. Now when we talk about some of the other networks, I know you guys also have other networks. I know some of you are around you're around Comcast. Uh, Comcast Xfinity. Let's look at Comcast Xfinity. Uh, let's look at their let's look at their offering. So the Xfinity Xfinity is doing their um, service. So they have a little bit different plan. Uh, the Xfinity service actually goes. They have their uh, plan. Which, um, they do a twenty-five. They do a hundred. That's nice. They do a twenty-five, and then they do it at only thirty-nine ninety-nine. They do the Internet Pro for a hundred, which is forty-nine ninety-nine. Here they put the prices out. So kudos to Xfinity. I think that's fantastic. And um, when you get the hundred uh, package, they actually give you a fifty-dollar Visa prepaid card, um, and they give you HBO included for a limited. Um, and then. They have their blast package, which is 200 megabits, 87.95, and then they have their. Um, let's see, they go to two, actually they go there, and then after that, I think they meant to do something else because Oh, this is for people surfing one or two devices. All right, they're doing six six megabits. Not really crazy about that plan. Uh, then they have their uh, blast package. Okay which allows you to download and upload at two, okay, I didn't say two gigabits per, so two gigabits per second with any number of devices online. So it's more about this is more, you're paying more money, it's like 300 bucks, but you're paying for simultaneous. So the one that really seems to matter here is the one, it's eight devices at the same time, for 87.95, I think that's the best one, the Blast. Uh, so again, that's what I would get there, but 
uh, looks like um, Optimum is uh, kind of beating them with I don't know about the prices, but they definitely have a, a larger offer with coming in at three three fifty. I mean, I think that's just I think that's absolutely amazing um, what they're doing. So I guess the question is, you know, everybody asking this, why is it that we have to have more internet? Why do we need it? I mean, all I do is surf on the internet with my laptop. That's all I. Companies all over New Jersey with data security, destruction, and IT needs. 
call 877-767-5667. Jaymore meets federally mandated data disposal policy. Call 877-767-5667 now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You're tuned to the Jaymore Tech Talk Show, Season 2, Episode 2, Network. So let's talk a little more about that. And I think the last question that kind of surfaced was, you know, what is the Internet of Things? And that's a good question. It's actually the connection between the Internet and device computing that is embedded in every send and receive data. Something as simple as a golf ball could be considered Internet of Things. A golf club could be an Internet of Things. But I've got to caution you, ladies and gentlemen, even though this is a great, new, bright, wonderful, exciting world, there's some dangers here. Because if security was compromised and it was able to intercept, that could severely give us a real security problem because the device would not be able to function. For example, an Internet of Things might be a device in could do uh, medical work or transfer uh, vital statistic patient data. So imagine that by not being able to communicate, a virus got on it, communication was blocked. Now you feel it's just going to work, but remember something. As we move more to this era, technology is going to become more and more important because that device that just took your blood pressure or took your temperature now needs to on the network, and the only way it does that is to have a connection to the internet, and they're usually going to be wireless. Um, for example, one of them was this vacuum that's on, and although they don't communicate yet online, the robot vacuum could communicate online to get it, stuff like that. Um, another internet thing could be your car. So there's a lot of things out there that could actually be used to talk about the internet. Um, something as simple as a picture frame could go to the internet to grab your photos from a um, snap photos and, and things like that, right? So lots of stuff can happen that can actually make this remarkable. And I guess the question that I have for all of you is, are you on board with this? I see a lot of people some of you are being a little hesitant, and I'm not saying we need to adopt to everything being Internet of Things tomorrow, but what I'm saying is we can use it for some things in our world that just make life a little bit easier but won't necessarily compromise our security. I think that's probably a good place to start. Everything we have should be sent to the Internet. I'm not saying that. I mean, I mean you can get as crazy as you know, when you brush your teeth. Uh, for brushing your teeth gets sent. Um, you already we have devices like uh, glucose readers, blood readers, actually transfer information, transmit information. There are people that have um, these readers on them, okay, like an app that is transmitted to another device actually in the room, and then that room actually communicates back to let's say an app on your on your phone. Things. But if that app, let's say, is able now to transmit to a medical facility or to a computer, now we're at the Internet of Things. I hope you get a little bit of understanding, maybe an appreciation 
for what an Internet of Things would be. Um, an Internet of Things allows devices that normally would not have computers and have uh, computer data in them to be able to communicate on the Internet to pull data. For example, there was a robot a toy that came out just before Christmas, and it had some remarkable characteristics in it. But one thing I want to share with you is that that robot operated like it was a $30,000 or $40,000 robot in speech. And that's because they built an infrastructure in the cloud. So we're going to see the Internet of Things. You're going to hear cloud, another word for the Internet, and storage area networks and large storage networks. It's going to take the repositories of information and then be able to transmit them back and forth very inexpensively. The challenge we have right now is data communication is very expensive through a lot of the carriers. There's only a few carriers right now that are actually like little or no money. I think there's one that does it for free. It's unlimited. So I think the wireless networks have to change a little bit, like the, the 4G and 5G, I think that has to change. So in our Wi-Fi network, we're fine. But when we talk about like cellular data, we're going to be talking about a lot of money because one transaction it doesn't seem like a lot. But if we have to keep doing that repetitively, that's going to add up. Just like getting emails, if you have 100 from a thousand, that's going to eat up your space, isn't it? So again, understanding the Internet of Things, I think, is really great. Understanding the application for how they're going to work, and also understanding the security behind them, so that these devices are secure. Okay. And uh, Internet of Things, we have garage door openers now that actually uh, LiftMaster has them, that they have an, an app that will talk to their device and literally an IP address, and it talks to the Internet, and you're able to um, to communicate. And remember I said it gets an IP address. Well, some of these will work in static mode, or they'll work in HTTP, uh, which means that even though the IP address keeps changing, it has one of these programs on it that uses a free uh, server program, which they provide, which costs them like 10 and they're able to keep monitoring your IP address, which you agree to the terms and conditions, and then give us some unique identifiers so you can get it from your phone, and you're so tickled pink. You don't have to pay for to link back to it and have a service that keeps linking. So that's really cool. But I wanted to just share that with you because opening the door may be kind of, I don't know, might seem a little trivial, but knowing whether your door is open or closed, I think that's door sounds, eh, okay, but I just left for a trip. Oh, did I close the garage doors? Oh, let me go check my phone. Yep, I do my closed. So we're going to get more peace of mind. We're going to get more information. The question is, we don't want to come easy with so much information that it's going to make life complicated. So as long as technology is going to make life easier, fun, and make and won't compromise the integrity or the quality of our life, then I think the Internet of Things is great. But I think there is a big difference, ladies and gentlemen, when we adopt the Internet of Things, that everything should be Internet of Things. I am, I am against that. Uh, for example, um, I have a blender. And it's, although it's a lot more than a blender, but this isn't a show on Vitamix. They've just come up with more technology, and now they have touch screens. But after that, I think we'll be 
theme are compatible. So where does all this go? Well, remember we talked about the echo and all these other devices. Remember, if something's Bluetooth enabled, it's going to be able to be controlled. Now, that might be a little scary for some of you, but that's how the control happens in the wireless. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, I know a lot of you think I'm crazy when I talk about wireless networks. It is so vital, 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 vital that we keep our wireless networks very secure. It's not because we have Internet and we want to guard our Internet. No. It's because we're trying to put more possessions behind our Internet connections at our home, at our office, things like um, Internet security data controlling our, our security for changing our heat, air conditioning, um, Maybe we're going to control our sprinklers, and you're going to start to see more companies out there that are going to come out with these devices that are going to be Wi-Fi enabled, or that will be able to talk with an Echo and other devices, and they'll talk with your routers and stuff, and you're going to be able to use an app and be able to control them. But that's where it is going, it's linking into that whole Wi-Fi arena. And that's why it's giving us so much power. Imagine that sounds pretty great, right? So now you plug it in. It smartly gets onto your, your network. That also means that devices in our home, we're going to need to have more Internet bandwidth in our home. Why? Because these different devices may be communicating, and I don't know how often, just by me adding thermostats to my home. My internet bandwidth went up because it kept it keeps checking in every so often. My wireless lights look my plugged into a wire socket, but they keep checking every so often to see what does the internet say. Because remember, these lights and these devices are not getting controlled directly from your phone. That would be a Bluetooth device, and that could still come too. But I'm talking about the ability where we can control these devices through the internet. So all these devices have to connect the internet using some kind of app. So what will happen is it will have a, a plug, it will have a USB connector, you'll plug it into your computer, you'll run the installation, and you'll find it, um, you'll go from there, and that's what's going to happen. So that's where the Internet of Things is going, and if you start to buy things and you need things to report and give you updates and communication, and you don't want a Wi-Fi network or you just don't want to spend money on a good Wi-Fi router, well, I'm going to tell you that you're going to become very, very frustrated because more and more technologies, just like at the Amazon button I just told you about, right? Imagine if you didn't have a good Wi-Fi network and didn't know how to do that. So simple, but I think people are going to become more accustomed to setting up Wi-Fi devices because it's going to become more of a staple of living. Kind of like for a lot of us or the way we cook or the way we turn on a stove or the way we use the bathroom, they are all pieces of everyday existence. Well, Wi-Fi and the smart-enabled devices of things is going to become a staple of our everyday existence. So that's what I want to share with you. And I know it can sound a little bit crazy, and I know it sounds weird and it sounds very sci-fi-ish, and it's not because I'm telling you the technology is there, and the technology that makes it even more powerful is the ability to learn. We already have astronomical clocks that can automatically sense the, the time zones based on where we are by putting in some information, 
and then they automatically intelligently count back. Now, that's not something that we see by Intermatic or whoever, Tor, could now have an Internet-enabled piece. And I think as the population now starts to demand it or starts to see it at other devices, I mean, we've got a light bulb you can buy. There was a light bulb a few years ago that was $400. And why does the person time when you change the, the color setting of a room or the hue of a room just by changing your app on a phone? It was a three dollars light bulb. I mean, this was crazy. But what happens when something is new, it's very expensive. As it starts to get mass produced and the demand starts to go down, it becomes more affordable. Uh, I remember um, one of the technology people said a long time ago, if cars were like computers and other technologies and we, you know, we're getting better since, you know, we're making so many of them. Well, <laughs> there, there's a lot more that goes into a car, and there's a lot more research and things like that. But, but, the, but the philosophy are not going to. People always have a demand and a need for a car, and our society is dictating that we want a car that can help us through our point A and point B transitions, but one that maybe can get to know what we want to suggest um, or maybe even help us request. So I hope all of this makes sense to you. I know the Internet of Things is very scary. It's definitely going to be a different world. I don't want you to be scared of it. But I just want you to be cognizant of what you choose to enable in your home or your business to be, let's say, Internet enabled. Because there's going to be a lot of wacky things that will be Internet enabled. I mean, a shoe could be Internet enabled. There's so much information. We'll talk more about this shows. I hope you've enjoyed getting behind the network, and I've got to go. This has been a great show. I'll see you next Thursday at 9 p.m. Tell your friends and family, colleagues, associates, share us, like us on Facebook. I'm John Morley for the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show, and i got to go. From all of us at the Jay Moore Connection Incorporated, we'd like to thank you for listening tonight, and invite you to join us again next Monday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to tell your friends and associates about the J. Moore Radio Show. And call in live. Be sure to call us early next time so you can get on air too. The J. Moore Connection. We're engineering technology to grow your business. And you can chat with us right now at jmor.com or call us at 800-208-5155. Thanks so much for stopping by and have a great night. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.